What's up, guys? Welcome back to, I think, the 35th episode of the DW Podcast. I should probably check that out because I know we're at a somewhat low number, at least compared to my guest here today, Ben Beccarelli. What's up, guys? Um, As you may or may not know, um, we're doing some sense, some sort of a 20-part series. Uh, there's no need with redrafting, so we're doing the last 10 or not the last 10, but from 2010 to 2019 NFL and 2010 to 2019 NBA. Um, we're doing the NBAs on mine, but we're going each year, and NFL on his. We're going each year back and forth. Um, yeah, so we're doing 2010 NBA. Um, I will not say this is a good draft class. It is decent at the top. It is terrible at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, I think the NFL draft class are more deep, but – there's also seven rounds, so what would you expect? Um, yeah, let's. Do you want to just get into this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. One more disclaimer. Um, so we didn't take into consider, or Ben didn't take into consideration, like draft day trades. I did, so we might have slightly different teams drafting. Just so you guys know, if you're wondering. Um. Yeah, I I, I did, and um, and we didn't really. Um, talk about it until we kind of um, in, until earlier today, and we decided it wasn't um, a big enough problem to to redo it. Um, in the future, we are going to start taking into account um, draft day trades. Um, I, I think, um, as far as this draft class goes, it, it's 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 solid, I, I guess, at the top, and, and then it really falls off um, for sure. Uh, and, and then it's it's really not deep, um, but yeah, um, we did we did 2010 NFL um, yesterday on the GMN Journal, um, and we will do 2011 NFL um, on Saturday, um, and then 2011 NBA um, on Sunday here on, on the DW podcast. But yeah, enough said. We can uh, we can get into it here. Yeah, by the way, if you're not an avid NBA fan, then you probably might not, or you might not know some of these players, because like we said, this draft class is beyond random. Uh, yeah. But we'll start it off with some non-random people. Uh, the Wizards are selecting first. Um, I have the Wizards selecting um, small forward out of a small school in Fresno State, Paul George. Yeah, um, I think I, I do as well. I think um, this is pretty much um, the pick any way you try to slice it. Um, definitely the number one guy um, here for the Wizards. I think this kind of really elevated last year when Paul George was a third place in MVP voting and John Wall was hurt all year and DeMarcus Cousins was hurt all regular season and came back for the playoffs and didn't really do anything. I think that's when Paul George really emerged. I think if we go back two years to when DeMarcus Cousins is having the best season probably of his career. Then he tears his Achilles. Um, that's probably, I probably would have had um, Cousins at that point in time, but now I think Paul George has emerged as the guy. Uh, now do you want yeah. to move on to number two? Yeah, we can move on to uh, to number two. I think this is where it starts to, to somewhat get up um, into debate. Um I personally here at two for the Sixers have John Wall. 
um, a guy that's been um, plagued by injuries, especially in um, recent years um, and, and somewhat throughout his his entire career. Um, but I think um, he, he's still the number one guy. You could argue for um, the guy I have going next, Boogie Cousins. Um, but I, I think he's had he's had a bunch of um, injury um, problems as well. So. I, yeah. I think he probably could go either way with this. I have I have Wall as well. Um, although I think Demarcus Cousins had a better 2010 through 2018. I'm gonna say because 2019 were basically lost years for both of them. I think Wall has kind of been looked at as one of the near most overrated players in the NBA because people remember that he's good, but you look at the fact that he hasn't played in almost over a year and the fact that he has what is most likely the worst contract in basketball, and then that points to, oh, this guy isn't good. But overrated does not equal overpaid. He is overpaid, but everyone in the NBA is kind of overpaid. Um, let's move on to our third pick that we kind of just spoiled. Where would be the Nets? Oh, yeah, I'll I'll give the players who they actually drafted as well. So the Wizards selected Paul George, or the Wizards selected John Wall and the Sixers selected Evan Turner, who is not anywhere near two. Um, the Nets selected a pretty solid bench or even starter level player um, in Derek Favors. He never really stuck on the Nets, but we both have them taking another big man in DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. Um, go ahead. You look at DeMarcus Cousins and – particularly his King's tenure, but that was pretty much all of his career. Um, and you see attitude problems. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if that was because of the King's organization was so bad, or if it's both, or if DeMarcus Cousins really is a good guy and he would have worked on the Nets. Um, I, I don't see how the Nets organization is that much better than the King's. I mean, they were going through relocation around this time. Um, I don't think this would have been ideal situation for Cousins either. I think him getting drafted to the Sixers rather than the Nets or what he actually got drafted to the Kings probably would have been a better situation for him. But I think this is where he falls. Yeah. Um I think it it would have been interesting for sure um to to see how it would have played out if if you move him up to the Sixers at two. Um I'm assuming we'll get to that later on um with with some um, what-if scenarios. Um, but I, I think, yeah, overall, um, everything you said, um, I, I think for sure he did have some character issues. Um, but, you know, that that potentially could have just been because of a dysfunctional Kings organization. But, yeah, um, we can move on to, uh, to number four here. Yeah. So with the fourth pick, the Timberwolves selected college star, not really translating to the NBA, Wesley Johnson. Now, even though Wesley Johnson was not good for the pick he was selected, he has still kind of hung around, which I prop, which I give him props for that, considering probably half of the guys in this draft class are long out of the league or at least out of the league. So I, I think that kind of makes that pick a little bit worse or a little bit better than it appears to be. But anyway, yeah. with my fourth pick, I think the Timberwolves, who at the time were the most dysfunctional organization. Um, in basketball, because David Kahn is the worst GM in basketball history. Now, that might be a stretch, but it's near close. Um, yeah. 
Anyway, I think the Timberwolves add um, a college star, I think, or college star for a small school. He almost hit a game-winning half-court shot at Butler in the national championship. Uh, Gordon Hayward. Yeah, that um, that's one of the, the biggest um, bat, college basketball what-ifs is, is what if uh, Gordon Hayward hits – hits that uh um that that half court shot and how does that change things because then they would have um won the national championship but anyway um I, I also have him going uh at four to the Timberwolves yeah I think Gordon Hayward that will always be or Gordon Hayward's legacy by the end of his career when you're just talking Gordon Hayward randomly um will be defined by two plays I can't say neither are positive. Uh, obviously, the half-court shot and the horrific injury um, in his first like, five minutes on the Celtics two, three years ago, uh, I think those plays kind of defined his legacy. But he built up a pretty solid reputation on the Jazz, and he kind of went back to that solid, pretty goodness uh, this season with the Celtics before the season got suspended for this pandemic. Uh, pretty solid player. Yep. Now we'll move on to the fifth pick, where the I have the Kings doing something right. Um, they did it in the actual draft, or in some sense, I think they'll do it again while selecting Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, I also have this uh, this pick here, and so um, that gives us uh, the same top five. Um, I think that um, Eric Bledsoe is is the pick here. Um, yeah, I, I think the Kings, um, in some sense, like you said, got the pick right with DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, it, it didn't necessarily yield results, but Cousins is is a solid player, and obviously we just talked about him a few moments ago. But I think I think um, Eric Bledsoe, if he's you know on the board in this scenario, is the pick here. I think Eric Bledsoe's problem, well, not Eric Bledsoe's problem, but in this hypothetical um, hypothetical world, we're going to call it, I think the problem with um, what happens to, or what ends up being the problem um, is Eric Bledsoe doesn't exactly have a mentor. Now, Eric Bledsoe, I know, technically has higher draft expectations because he's going five rather than 18 where he actually went. But if you, like, Put him at 18, they got drafted into what ended up being a pretty solid situation where he was a backup behind Chris Paul. And unlike whoever the Kings starting point guard was going to be, Chris Paul is a pretty good mentor for young point guards. Uh, I don't think he ever gets that situation. So I don't ever think he gets a chance to thrive on a, another team like the Suns and then now the Bucks. I don't think Eric Bledsoe ends up as well as he did previously. Yeah, I would agree with that, but yeah, in this hypothetical world, um, th- that's an interesting conversation to have, um, for for sure. I I think it's interesting because, um, you know, he he definitely for sure benefited, um, from from the mentorship of Chris Paul. But you know, like you said, um, I, I don't know that he gets the same the same situation with the Kings. So th- that's an interesting scenario to play out. But yeah, uh huh. So now we're going to move on. The sixth pick where the Warriors selected Expiuto, another guy who was never his top 10 pick potential, but he kind of stuck around. Uh, so 
once again, better than a lot of these guys. Um, it's a sixth pick. I have the Warriors selecting, like I kind of pointed out earlier, a guy who's carved out a solid role as a starting or maybe backup big man for a decent team uh, in Derek Favors. Yeah, um, I, I have the same pick here, giving us the same um, top six here. I think um, this is one where, uh, you know, you know a draft class is, is bad when when Derek Favors is going in, inside the top six. Not, nothing against Derek Favors, but it, like you said, Dill, he's, you know, a, a career uh, backup guy. He, he's a solid backup potential guy who can play uh, um, some – up there as far as starter minutes, but I think, yeah, not not exactly what you want at, at six, but it, it is what it is for the Warriors here. And although Derek Favors seems like a huge drop off from Eric Bledsoe, I I don't know because I your, our mock drafts are different, but for me the drop off really comes after seven. Um, so we'll come to my seventh pick, um, where I have the Detroit Pistons, the maybe the biggest mess of a franchise currently, um. Select Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, I have the same pick here, and I think that um, that might be the last pick that we have straight in common. It is. Um, I I think that um, Hassan Whiteside has has um, carved out you know a nice role for himself in the NBA. I think we look at um, moments where he looked like a defensive specialist who was a pretty good player, and and then it kind of got to the point where he had to be the best player on the Heat, and he was not ready for it, and that's where we kind of saw a fall. But I think right. we've seen him have, or he had a pretty good season with the Blazers, once again, up until this suspension. I think Whiteside is a, um, a good player, and my problem with Whiteside and the reason I didn't have him over favors is that he did not come along until 20... The end of 2015, or yeah, twenty the beginning of 2015, but the end of the 2015 season, which is five years from this draft. So you only got half of the decade where you got 10 decent years out of Derek, or maybe slightly less um, years out of like a guy like Derek Favors, who's almost on Whiteside's level. But anyway, just to show how bad this drop-off is, let's announce our number eight pick from the Clippers. Yeah, so so with the Clippers here, I have them going with uh, Jeremy Lin. Uh, yeah, so the only reason this pick is particularly significant is they took Alfaro Camino here. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Alfaro Camino was maybe not, not the key part, because that was probably Eric Gordon, but one of the key parts in the Chris Paul trade. Um, now, I've been taking Nemanja Bielitsa. Now, okay. I think... Nemanja Bielitsa, the thing with him is he, once again, did not come along until late. So if he's going to be the second key part, he didn't start playing in the NBA till the 2015-16 season, maybe the 2014-15 with the T-Wolves. Um, I think, in terms of me, Nemanja Bielitsa's claim to fame is, um, is signing with the Sixers and then realizing that he didn't want to be on the Sixers and leaving, like, the next day. Uh I think he's a solid player. The problem is, or a solid for this draft class player, but the problem is you're most likely not getting him for another um, five, six years unless you just really didn't. He really didn't want to play with the T-Wolves. You could make an argument either way. Uh, 
Yeah, I think Lynn obviously had his Lynn sanity moments, uh, which was huge, I think. Uh, but otherwise, not too special of his career. Like, he's a 10-ish, maybe higher, maybe lower. Point per game averager, a decent backup point guard, but, like, nothing special, and especially not for the eighth pick. Um, yeah, and I think that just shows you how how bad this um, th- this draft class is. Um, I-, I think Bielitsa, um is a fine pick. I have him going much later uh, because, you know, as you, as you said, that's another guy who really didn't come around till, till later. Um, but, yeah, we can move on till nine here. Yeah. So, at the ninth pick, I have the, um, the biggest fall of, or the, the biggest fall so far of the draft, not in general. There are bigger ones, but I have the Jazz selecting what coming into the league was the national player, the former national player of the year out of Ohio State. Um, he was decent on the Sixers. He was decent on the Celtics. He got paid too much on the Blazers, but he's still decent. Uh, the, I have the, the Jazz taking Evan Turner. Yeah, um, I have him get, I have him, sorry, I have him going um, 10, which we will get to in just a few moments. Um, but I, I think um, as far as my pick goes, um, here at at nine, I have the Jazz going with Greg Monroe. Okay. I think that works. The only reason I did not have Greg Monroe going higher, because at Greg Monroe's peak, he is maybe seven. I Maybe. He was pretty good at on the Pistons, but like he left the Pistons to go to the Bucks in what I think was 20... 15 or 16, and he kind of fell off since then, where Evan Turner has kind of been sticking around for the whole decade. Uh, another guy that I think the consistency, even if it's not a good consistency, was better than having no consistency at all. Uh, okay, you want to move on to the 10th pick? Yeah, what, what you said there makes sense. Um, we can move on to 10. As I, as I said, um, Evan Turner here is the pick for me. Um, yeah, I think, um, like you said, you know, a lot consistency with this guy. Um, you know, even if it isn't great consistency at that, but consistency none the least here for uh, for Evan Turner. Okay, now with the tenth pick, I have um, the Pacers selecting what might be. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The most undeserving starting point guard of a good team I have ever seen in Avery Bradley. Now, although Avery Bradley was not seen as a point guard in until later the kind of after he went or after he left the Celtics he was pretty good in the Celtics um as a shooting guard a decent like three and d guy or a good defender a decent three-point shooter uh he's still fine he's a starting point guard on the Lakers even though LeBron is kind of the primary ball handler uh right I think he once again, probably isn't a deserving top 10 pick or to round out the top 10, but he's not bad. And I think, once again, at his peak, you could argue that he's better than Evan Turner, better than Nemanja Bielitsa, but I think he kind of fell apart. Like for, And then he's kind of brought himself back up on the Lakers, but we'll move on to the 11th pick, um, where I have the Thunder selecting a guy you had going at 9, um, Greg Monroe. Now, I think my Greg Monroe coming out of uh out of or coming into the NBA his 
first season, he was probably better than DeMarcus Cousins, and he kind of hung around there for a while, and then it he kind of fell off. Um, not fell off huge, but, like, he was decent on the Pistons. He went to the box. Um, he was still decent, and then he kind of left, and things kind of crumbled. Uh, I think he was pretty useless um, on the Sixers last year. If that was last year. That seems like eternities ago, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, not bad, though. I think I think maybe, once again, oh, I forgot to announce. I'm just going to go back to when I stopped. Um, <clears throat> so with the sixth pick, I think I said that the Warriors selected XB Udo. Uh, now with the seventh pick, Pistons selected Monroe. Eighth pick, like I said, the Clippers selected Alfred Camino. Uh, ninth pick, the Jazz took Gordon Hayward. And the tenth pick, the Pacers took Paul George, and now here with the 11th pick, um, the Hornets then traded to the Thunder. I don't know if you have the Thunder selecting or the Hornets uh, uh, drafted Cole Aldrich. Yeah, I, I have the Hornets selecting here, and I have them selecting Alfarico Amina. Yeah, a guy who ended up being in a Hornets uniform not too long after. Right. I think we saw another guy who, pretty good defender, not that great at anything else. Uh my problem with Cole, or my the bright side with Greg Monroe is I think you see like the the three ish good years of Greg Monroe and you don't see any good years with Cole Aldrich so in that sense it's a pretty good replacement like he he wasn't he wasn't bad I'm not he wasn't bad from 2010 to 2015 he was pretty good on the Pistons then he was on the Bucks from 2015 to 2017 still pretty decent and then it kind of went all downhill um I think he's currently on. Uh, Bayern Munich, maybe Real Madrid, some foreign team. I'm not something like that. Uh, you can Google if you're really wondering. Uh, we'll move on to the 12th pick. Uh, yeah. With the 12th pick, I have the Grizzlies selecting the guy you just had going, um, Alfred Camino. Yeah, I have the uh, Grizzlies selecting uh, Ed Davis with this pick. Yeah, I think, especially or for Alfred Camino. He's more important, um, or he's more important because that he was a key part of a big trade, um, than he actually was to his teams. Uh, like he, it was, I Googled it just to confirm. It was Chris Paul and a second round pick, or two future second round picks, uh, to the Clippers for Eric Gordon, Chris Kame, and Alfred Camino, and an unprotected first round pick from the T Wolves. So, in some sense, maybe the second most important or third most important piece of that um, pick or of that trade, um, you could argue that the pick is more important and maybe even Chris Kamen, probably not. I, I think he was then decent on the Blazers. He's never bad, but he was never anything special. Um, Ed Davis is fine also. Once again, he stuck around, but he never did anything good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We can move on here to, to 13, um, where I have the uh, Raptors selecting, and I have them going uh, with Lance Stevenson, who, who might be more famous for annoying LeBron than anything else. Yeah. Um, I have him at 14. I think we're just going to keep doing this, um, getting to the point where we might as well just talk about these guys at the same time. Um, I have the Raptors selecting Ed Davis, who just, we just discussed. And then 
um, we'll move on to my 14th pick, uh, where I have the Rockets uh, selecting Lance Stevenson. Now, although Lance Stevenson is more remembered uh, for blowing in LeBron's ear or just irritating him as a whole, he did, I mean, that Pacers season where they were like, the one seed in the East, Paul George kind of played out of his mind. He was, that next summer, he had some free agency revenue. He went to the Hornets and was never really the same. Uh, I think he was kind of decent for a while. Yeah. Who do you have with your 14th pick? Yeah, with with my 14th pick here, I have uh, the Rockets taking Patrick Patterson. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, they got him in real life. Uh, he was decent as well. I mean, everyone probably, for, for like a while now, everyone in this draft class was decent at their peak. Uh, we haven't seen, like, we, it, when we get to the later stages of the draft, we see some, like, actual busts go. But these guys are just fine. Uh, they should probably be <laughs> later round picks in good draft classes. Yeah. Uh, so, now we'll move on to the 15th pick, where I have the box for the first time, I think. Sorry, doing um actually drafting the player they actually took in Larry Sanders. Okay. Um yeah, I um I have him going um a, um a little bit later. Um I, I guess somewhat significantly later, but um I, I have the Bucks going with Avery Bradley here. Oh uh, yeah. No, Larry Sanders, once again, his peak was <clears throat> looked like a future all star. Um, he was a perfect, like, probably 10, he was probably good for 10 points, 10 rebounds a night. Uh, I think he averaged that in 20, like, 13, something like that, maybe slightly less. Um, he was never exactly good, but he was always decent, or from probably 2010, or from his rookie season-ish to, um... <clears throat> probably around 2014, uh, he was kind of decent, and then it kind of fell apart. Um, not necessarily his fault. He had some per- some issues in his personal life. Um, we won't get into that here. He was decent, though, at his peak. Yeah. Uh, so we'll move on to 16. Yeah, 16. Um, I have the Timberwolves selecting, uh, and I have them going with Ish Smith here. Yeah, so I have him going, um, not significantly later, but slightly later. Uh, I have the Blake. Oh, actually, you know what? We're just gonna knock it out here. Uh, I have him going to the Timberwolves as well at twenty three. I think there was something with the trade. I have the Blazers currently on the clock, but we can just talk about Ishmael Smith. Um, now, once again, uh, Ishmael Smith. Uh. I'm going to call him that just because I think that is better than Ish Smith. Probably not, but claim to fame was being the best player on that 10 and 72 Sixers team. Yeah. They acquired him midseason and he thrived um, compared to everyone else, at least. That team was right. god awful. Um, but now we'll talk about my 16th pick where I had the Blazers selecting um, Jeremy Lin. Now, he was the best player on the 2012 Knicks for a month. Uh, once again, maybe at peak, he 
maybe for his monthly peak, maybe he's number four. <laughs> Something crazy like that. He was so good for a month. Um, he hit, he scored like 35 on Kobe. He uh, hit that game winner against the Raptors. Really, he was awesome for a month. And then he's been a consistent backup point guard ever since. <clears throat> yeah. Um, now we'll move on to the 17th pick where we have the wizard selecting, or I have the wizard selecting the guy we already discussed in Patrick Patterson. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, um, I have a different, um, team on the clock here. Um, I have the Bulls here and I've been taking, um, one of the most loved players in the NBA, Boban Marjanovic. Yeah, I have been going. Not significantly later, but maybe significantly later. It depends what you consider significantly later. Um, I think Boban is fine, but I, as you might see, have some slight problems, and that's sort of like clearly better than a guy, that he did not play his first NBA game until either the 2014-15 season or the 15-16 season. Um, with the Spurs, I think... Maybe Boban at his, um, from 17 to 25, maybe Boban at his peak is better than the rest of these guys at their peak, but he was never good anyway. Like, he, to be honest, I would never pick Boban. Um, I think he's, unless, like, you're asking me to pick the worst NBA player of all time, whoever that may be, Boban's kind of just a waste of space. He's not particularly agile whatsoever um he yeah he kind of just stands there you can't have him on the court for too long nothing against Brobon. he has a more successful nba career than either one of us would have had but he's not a guy i would want to be taken with a first round pick yeah uh, definitely not i think you know and <laughs> again th- we we come back to this this uh um how bad this this draft class is I think um, as a rim protector, um, I think that's the really the only reason um, I, I put him in the first round. Um, I, I, I was struggling, you know, with with some of these picks, as, as most of these guys are, are, you know, bench players at best. And then we really just kind of start to, to get into to the boss of this draft class. Um, yeah, my problem with or my new like a reason that even though he stuck around more than Larry Sanders ever stuck around. Larry Sanders was a rim protector as well. But Larry Sanders could move. Right. And okay. I, I don't uh, think Boban really can. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I guess. Um, I, yeah, we can move on to, to 18. Here. Um, now, with the 18th pick, I have the Clippers selecting a guy that I'm confident you will not have um, in your first round, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I had the Clippers selecting a guy who was a, a, maybe for like one year on the Raptors and also maybe on the Kings. He was decent, probably like average 10 points per game. Uh, Grievous Vasquez. Uh, he was an All American. I'm not 100% sure if it's first team or second team All American in college at Maryland. He was de- He was good in college. He was decent for a few years in the NBA, along with probably everybody until we get to the later, later stages of the draft. Uh, not a guy, once again, in most normal draft classes, not a guy I would want to be taken in the first round, but he went in the top 20. Uh, 
maybe with Chris Paul, if they end up getting Chris Paul, um, maybe he could serve as a decent men- mentor um, for Vasquez, and he becomes an Eric Bledsoe-level type guy. Maybe Chris Paul just matters so much as a mentor. We'll see with that scenario. Uh, who do you have going 18th? Um, yeah, at 18 here, I have Wesley Johnson. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, he obviously ended up on the Clippers later in his career. Once again, claim to fame. A lot of these guys claim to fame uh, are not memorable ones, or memorable, but not in a good way. Uh, getting his ankles absolutely destroyed by James Harden is by far the most um memorable play of Wesley Johnson's career, and I think that's what you're going to get. The bad um, blooper, Shaq in a full-level plays um, with these busts. And although, like I said, Wesley Johnson is um, not that bad, he went fourth overall, so he is a major bust. I have him going um, later than 18 just for that reason. Uh, Now we'll move on to the 19th pick, where the Celtics selecting a guy who was the perfect 3-and-D guy on a eh, team for, like, a year. Uh, Landry Fields. Um, yeah, I have him going um, a couple picks later, um, as you guys will see in a sec, but I have Trevor Booker going here at 19. Yep. Landry Fields, once again, is not horrible. Uh I, I pulled up his stats just because I knew he was a good shooter, but I wanted to chat. Well, he was also on the Raptors for a few years as well, uh, but he's probably more famous for being on the Knicks. Like, I think his rookie of the year, not probably not because John Wall was and Cousins and a good Monroe, and um, uh, those guys were decent. I, I think we look at Landry Fields, and he was, like, the lowest key of low-key rookie of the year contenders. Like, he came out, I looked um, – Averaging 9.7 points per game and 6.4 rebounds, shooting 40% from three, um, almost 50% from the field, and not good enough to be a 50-40-90 um, type guy. But he was decent for maybe two years on the Knicks, and then he got traded or signed with the Raptors, and there we saw some decline. Yeah. All right, we can move on to 20 here. Yeah. Uh, so... With the 20th pick, I have the the Spurs um, selecting Jordan Crawford. Um, yeah, I have him going um, a little bit later here, but I have um, uh, Bielita going with this pick. Yeah, so that makes sense. Um, I obviously are clearly had him a lot high. Um, now I'm just going to keep... Um, pointing out these random guys claim to fame and Jordan Crawford's is easily the best one in this draft class. Um, he went to some skills Academy skills camp hosted by uh, LeBron. Now, I don't know if you guys, or even if you know this story, but Jordan Crawford destroyed LeBron dunked on him completely over him. Uh, there's not exactly too much footage. Um, uh, LeBron basically that it was like a Nike um so it was recorded they were probably going to send it to Nike LeBron basically made his um partners delete it and vanish it from the internet uh it was a weird not scandal but a weird story at the time it's still kind of weird now um 
but not just that. We saw Jordan Crawford. Um, once again, I had to pull up some stats because um, cause I know guys who have random stats. I just wanted to see. Um, so Jordan Crawford was never on a team consistently. Like the most games he ever played in the season were 64. And I don't know if that's because he signed with the team later into the season. But like in 2010-11, he played 26 games with the Wizards and 16 with the Hawks. The Wizards tenure, he did average 16 points per game. Like, he was, he could get buckets off the bat. Uh, yeah. He was never special, though. Um, yeah. Uh, who do you have with the 20th pick? Or with the 21st? Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. That's what I meant. Um, I have uh, Lance Thomas here going to the Saunders. Yeah, I have him going significantly, not significant, or it depends, once again. Nine picks later. I'll just say he's the last pick in the first round. Uh, later. Now, maybe Lance Thomas deserves to be higher. Um, I, I don't remember who, what his name was, but someone made, um, it, uh, I think he worked at, like, fan-sided or something, made a, um, a Knicks all-decade team. And Lance Thomas was an honorable mention. And although that is not saying anything, Landry Fields wasn't on it and... I have Landry Fields higher than Lance Thomas. Um, anyway, I, Lance Thomas, another decent guy. Uh, I think he's kind of remembered for like keeping the Knicks locker room afloat. A pretty good teammate, but he was never that special at basketball. Uh, yeah. Um, for me, I have the 21st pick. I have the Hornets um, selecting another guy who kind of stuck around for a little while. Uh even a starter on some, like, Grizzlies teams, maybe even the Pelicans. Uh, I have the Hornets, future the Pelican, the future Pelicans, um, selecting Quincy Pondexter. Uh, okay. Uh, we will move on here to 22. Yeah. Um, at 22, I have Larry Sanders. To the Blazers? Yeah, to the Blazers. Now, there was... I think that could be a good fit. The problem is by, or my problem, my slight problem with that is, um, at the time they had, I think, so 07, uh, wasted, or it wasn't necessarily wasted at the time, but had, um, taken a center in Greg Oden with the first pick. Now, I am not a believer in Greg Oden. He is not a good basketball, or he wasn't ever necessarily a good basketball player, but uh, Greg Oden was, his, like, legs were different sizes. Like, he was not the right, he's not in the right body to be playing basketball at a high level. Um, he was never terrible, though. Like, we go back to the 09-20, or the 2009-10 season, um, one of his, or his second of three seasons played in the NBA, and he averaged 11 points and eight. Rebounds on a decent Blazers team with Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, so I don't think they would have given up on him that quickly, but I think Larry Sanders is a good fit in Portland. Uh, yeah. Now with my 22nd pick, uh, so I had the Blazers cashing in on Jeremy Lamb earlier in the draft. I think they make another and pick here where they take Xavier Henry, another guy who was on such a bad team that he probably was one of the leading scorers in, like, 2014 or 15 on the Lakers, um, but never a good player. So now we'll move on to the 23rd pick where I have the Timberwolves, as we already um, talked about, um, selecting Ish Smith. 
Um, yeah, obviously I, I have him going um, earlier. Um, I have um, a, um, a guy that who went six to Golden State um, in the in the real draft. Still, um, I'll give you one guess who it is. Espiuda. Where to go? Expiuto is the pick here to uh to the Timberwolves at, at twenty three. Yeah, another guy who might like I I looked at there were some picks that I looked at peak as more important and then there were others where I looked at um consistency or durability. Uh now Expiuto had neither one of those things, uh along with the majority of the guys in this later um picks. He hung around, kind of, but for the sixth pick, he didn't really hang around. Uh, maybe he's still hanging around, and he's just so bad that I didn't even know. Uh, he's terrible, but once again, maybe for this draft class, he's decent. Uh, yeah. Now we'll move on to the 24th pick, where I have the New Jersey Nets at the time, uh, cashing in on another big man in this draft. Selecting a guy who looked decent with the Sixers for maybe a few weeks, Trevor Booker. Um, yeah, obviously I had him um going earlier. I have um at twenty four Quincy Pondexter going. Yeah, the Sixers are so interested in like signing random free agents, or they were just such a dysfunctional mess in the Sam Hinkie era that probably like a decent amount of these players had at least short tenures with the Sixers. Yeah. Maybe, like, not half, but a decent amount. Um, maybe, like, a third. Uh, yeah, the the free agency classes with Hanky were uh, atrocious, to say the yeah, least. Yeah, but they even got, they were even interesting, like, in the non-Hinky, like, the Colangelo stages of things. Um, like, they pulled Ish Smith, I think, out of free agency. They pulled, um... Who else did they get? They got Trevor Booker, Marco Bellinelli, Ersan Ilyasova out of free agency in 2018. Um, they were good that year, so maybe it wasn't as strange. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, interesting free agency classes for the Sixers. Um, we'll move on to the 25th pick, where I have the Mavericks selecting a guy who's on their team currently in Boban Marjanovic. Um. Yeah, obviously I had him going earlier. Um, here at twenty five, I have Landry Fields going. Yeah, makes sense. I think he isn't the perfect Spurs player, but I think Greg Popovich could right. have turned him into a better player than he ever ended up being. Because I think a guy like, for example, like Marco, not necessarily Marco Bellinelli, Danny Green. That's my example. Also, Danny yeah. Green probably had more talent than this guy ever had. Um. Was is the maybe the dictionary definition of a decent three and D guy, which he continues to be on the Lakers and the Raptors last year. I think Spurs could de- or Greg Popovich could definitely um, help turn Landry Fields into into that type of guy. Yeah, for sure. Uh so we'll move on to the twenty sixth pick where I have. The Hornets selecting the guy that made the second biggest fall of the draft um, from the early stages of the first round in XB Utah. Yeah, um, I, I had him going uh, a couple picks earlier. Um, here, here at 26, I have Jeremy Evans going. Yeah, a guy that I do not have going in the first round, but not because um, 
I wasn't. He was never. Once again, maybe a decent model of consistency, but consistent of being terrible. Uh, sure. This draft class actually makes me sick to look at. Um, now, the 2013 draft class oftentimes is looked at at least the worst draft class of the decade, maybe one of the worst draft classes of all time. But to be honest, and I don't know if it's because it's seven years later rather than 10 years later, but I expect in three years a lot of the lower tier guys, especially who went in the first or who would go in the first round of a redraft to still be in the league. Most of these guys fell out of the league a while ago. Yeah, for sure. Like, like, not to mention, I, I understand that not necessarily top heavy, but you don't have three guys that are a John Wall, Paul George, Marcus Cousins level go in the top three in a redraft. Uh, but you do have Giannis, obviously. Uh, but like, even guys like, there would be a lot of the guys who were going the later stages of the first round and being way better than these guys in the later stages of the first round. Uh, no, it's the 27th pick. I'd be Hawk selecting the biggest fall of the first round in Wesley Johnson. Um, yeah, um, I had him going 18. Um, yeah, um, here, um, here with the twenty uh, seventh pick. Here, I have um, I have Jordan Crawford going. A guy, I believe you had going um, a little bit earlier, um, twenty to the Spurs. Um, yeah, yeah. If this was an actual redraft. I'm just gonna point it out. Landry Fields went nineteen. The Spurs were selecting twentieth. The Spurs definitely would have snagged Landry Fields if he was still on the board. Um, anyway. We'll move on to the the third to last pick, where I the Grizzlies taking a guy who is beyond not good uh, in Luke Babbitt. Yeah, I have the same pick here um, with um, with with Luke Babbitt here. Um, actually, um, the first of back to back picks that we have the same for the first time in a while. To to wrap things up here, we can move on to twenty nine here, where we both have. Uh, Cole Aldrich being taken. Jesus, I swear. Are are you kidding me? I I'm genuinely mad that a draft class can be this bad. Um, <laughs> and it's yeah. even more sickening that the Sixers took Evan Turner with the second pick, and it still looks like one of the better moves of this draft. As yeah. stupid as that may sound, I am near dead serious. Evan Turner is a top 10 player in this draft class, and the Sixers got him in the top three, but still. Um, where guys like Wesley Johnson and XB Udo went fourth and sixth. I am legitimately mad. Uh, but now we'll just wrap it up with the 30th pick. Um, or the, the Timberwolves taking a guy you had going earlier, um, Lance Thomas. Um, yeah, here, um, here to wrap things up here, I have... Um... Kevin, uh, um, here going 30. Kevin Serafin? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, we'll talk about a scenarios. Uh, there might not be any, because none of them, none of these picks really surround good players. Uh, okay. First obvious one, where does Chris Paul, or maybe not obvious, but where does Chris Paul end up going? Um, 
I think he could go um, a variety of ways. Uh, Where do you think he ends up going? I think there is a decent chance he ends up still getting traded to the Clippers because, like I already pointed out, um, Alfaruk Amino was not the man in that trade. It was Eric Gordon. I think you still have Eric Gordon and then you package um, one of your two first rounds. Because Nemanja still could have been traded even as a Eurostash. So you trade Nemanja or... Or Greaves Vasquez, and I think you could still make that trade work. I think maybe something happens with this draft, and David Stern never vetoes um, the Lakers trade. Maybe he just sticks it out with the Hornets and signs somewhere else when he's a free agency, um, wherever that may be. So I think Chris Paul still ends up having a similar situation. What about you? Yeah, um, I think. I think it's definitely an interesting to play to a scenario to to play out. I think I think he probably ends up with a with a similar situation. I don't think he probably ends up getting traded. Uh, obviously, as Al Farouk Amino isn't or potentially still would be a, a big piece, but isn't the piece you you would probably be looking to get um, if you're uh, training Chris Paul. But I think. I, I think he probably ends up sticking things out in, um, and then going elsewhere in free agency. Just because I think, um, I mean, maybe he gets traded elsewhere, but I think it's probably a similar, a similar situation. It, it maybe he ends up even going into free agency and and going out to to L A. Obviously, we'll never know, but. That, that would definitely be an interesting scenario to play out, as I think he could go a bunch of different ways. Yeah. So, another question. Well, I think it with the John Wall selection, it comes obvious that the Sixers probably never go through the process. Um, well, it becomes mm. apparent because John Wall is better than anybody who was on that team. So, the end, John Wall was a star around when this was happening. So, I think that never happens. Um. But for another term, do the Sixers really stick it out with, like, the Iggy, Drew Holiday, John Wall core for a while? Um, I mean, potentially, and I really don't think that that would end up being that bad. I don't either. Because Iggy and, and Drew Holiday were both all-stars around that time. Right. Um, Iggy not for the Sixers, but he probably never gets... I mean, Iggy got traded in the Dwight Howard trade, and that was not centered around the Sixers, so maybe he still ends up getting traded. And then Drew Holiday got traded um, for the sixth pick, which ended up being Nerlens Noel. Uh, I think it's possible that that, that is a – that maybe, like, because you have Wall and Drew still standing – or sitting around, um, maybe you think that's the core, so you're not willing to give up Iggy for um, – for, or in the Dwight Howard trade, because you think he could be a key piece on a successful team. So I actually think that ends up being the core for the Sixers. Yeah, same. And I think, you know, they go with that. Um, it would be interesting to see if, if if John Wall's injury history continues, because I think if it does, then maybe he ends up getting shipped out and maybe the process ends up happening to some extent as – as it's it's like a a holiday and Iggy run team if um if um uh, Wall's in- injury history continues but um uh, you, again you know you never really know an interesting scenario to play out again I think 
Um, there's no definitive answer, and I think the the answer heavily relies on if Wall continues to get injured or not. Because I think if he doesn't get injured, then yeah, I think that that's a, a great core to roll with, and you can potentially um, contend um, for for a couple of years. Um, and, but if if the injury history continues, then I think you end up having to break that up. Maybe the Dwight Howard trade ends up playing out the way it does, and they end up giving up Iggy. Um, we would say, um, but I think a lot of it relies heavily on, on Wall's injury history. Okay. Now, this is one that I bet you were not – well, this is for me. I don't. It doesn't exactly play out the same way for you. I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, anyway, now, the Thunder – you, the Thunder traded James Harden because they needed cap space for Kendrick Perkins because they lacked the center. Now, right. my theoretical um, mock draft, I have the Thunder selecting Greg Monroe, meaning a solid starting center, at least at the time Harden got traded. Now, does that mean they never go after Kendrick Perkins so they have the cap space to still sign Harden? So does Harden ever end up getting traded? Um... Maybe maybe later down the line. Um, that's tough. I, I honestly don't think he does, to be completely honest. I, again, maybe potentially that more down the line. But I think that that ends up working out a lot better for the Thunder. Monroe obviously being a solid center, like you said. And then you kind of roll with um, a, a very a, a, a very good um core of of obviously Ross Katie and Harden and then if you want to consider Monroe in that mix as well um but I know I to, to answer the question in full no I, I don't think Harden gets gets traded maybe there's potentially chemistry issues down the line but I've always felt as though he would be the first one to go in, in a situation like that yeah, so last question. It's deeply related, obviously, to the um, the last question. Does Do Harden, Westbrook, and Durant um, all end up still becoming stars on whether it's their own respected teams or they're all together? Do, do, or particularly Harden, because Durant was a star in Westbrook, you could tell, or still ended up being a star even with Durant. Does Harden end up becoming the star that he is seen as today on the Thunder, or does he end up? Still going to another team, um, and then becoming a star there. What do you say? Uh, I I don't think he does because I think I think there's two things you have to look at. One, we we've seen we've seen great tandems, and all right, I'm gonna go with um, a, a Heat comparison here with with uh, with obviously the big three. Now, I'm gonna we're gonna use the guard forward. Um, tandem in Harden or sorry in, in Ross and KD and then in Wade and LeBron and and then we see Bosch who I know it's a different situation with a guard and a forward but I think Bosch never really reached what what he could have been if he was driving his own team however he sacrificed that for more potential success and I think maybe Harden ends up doing that but I, I don't know maybe Harden's character changes and he focuses more about on, on winning and then yeah so maybe he ends up focusing more on winning and he just is cool with with being the third wheel um on a team that would contend or or maybe he continues to be somewhat selfish and and just 
decides to go elsewhere because he wants individual success rather than um, team success. That's another one. Um, but I also think that the other big thing is for for Harden, um, I think does Mike Antoni's offense with, you know, the, the efficiency and all the analytics that he pours in, maybe that ends up um, changing things for Harden too. And I, and I certainly think it does. Um, maybe he ends up becoming a star because he probably always had the talent, but maybe he, he doesn't become, you know, a, a, an undisputed top five, um, you know, MB, t- player in the NBA and, you know, consistent um, all-star and, and stuff like that. But maybe he, he is, you know, still a star and, and an all-star, but, you know, probably not a top five in the NBA and an MVP contender every year. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that basically wraps up our podcast. Um, you will see another one tomorrow, Sunday, and so on and so forth. Um, there is potential that we will be recording more than one on the same day, but they will all be uploaded um, at the regular day that they are scheduled to be uploaded. Um, ben, thanks for having um, me on. I'll talk to you on the next one tomorrow. Um Hope you guys enjoyed. Make sure to check out the one we did with Ben and on yesterday, and then the rest of them um, going forward. We still have eighteen parts left, so we're in for a bit of a treat. Um, just to point it out, if you guys were wondering about how uninteresting these draft classes are, once we get to twenty eleven, both of the twenty eleven NFL and NBA draft classes are by far more interesting. So for sure, this will. Or parody to these yeah. drafts. Because um, I think you guys would rather see us arguing the two good, great players we'll go with and then XB Udo and Leslie Johnson. Um, yeah. One thing. The first. Yeah, one, one thing before we leave here. Um, the 2011 NFL, which we are doing tomorrow, is one of the better draft class we've seen in, in over the course um, of the NFL. And in recent memory, I think um, I, I personally had a lot of fun putting together my redraft. The 2011 NBA is pretty good as well, certainly better than this one, although that's not hard at all, as this is one of the worst drafts we've we've ever seen. But anyway, yeah, um, that'll wrap things up, and yeah. Yeah, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed.